Welcome to the Talk Sip. I am your host, Elisa Bowens Mercado. And every Thursday at 1 p.m., I trade in my dance shoes and I spend time with you, the listeners, to talk arts, music, culture, radio, and much, much, much more. Oh, yes. Well, today in my co-pilot seat, I have Irving Pinsky. Irving, how are you? Lovely to be here. Great to have you. Makes me happy. Yes, great to have you back. So we call this uh, Politics with Pinsky. So every Thursday, you know how we, uh, once a month, we have to figure out what's going on in uh, this in the nation. And, uh, you know, there's so much to talk about. Because the last time you were here, you know, I, I, I don't even remember. Um, and I'm, as I'm reading this, there's like breaking news, you know, all over. So we're going to get into that. So as the old saying goes, it's five o'clock somewhere. Sit back and relax. As I serve you up a tasty mix of Chalk Radio, you are listening to the Culture Cocktail Talk Sip Hour. All right. So, it is Thursday. It's the summer. We're having a good time. Um, enjoying the last couple of weeks of summer. And um, But I always bring you back on. We always have great conversation about politics and you know, oh my gosh, Irving, my gracious, it has just been one of those uh, months or weeks where we have, you know, what's going on in the White House. And by the way, today is a call-in show, so you will be calling into 203-872-7356, and we'll be uh, discussing, uh, yeah, the nation. And what's been going on? So, welcome to ha- great to have you back. Uh, what have you been doing? Uh, well, I've this been summer? swimming. I've been working on my cases. I do personal injury, lots of cases. Okay, people get hurt, and I sue insurance companies. That's really all I do for a living is sue insurance companies, which I like to do because they're just so big and so rough. <laughs> they are. You know, I they're know. Not, insurance. They're not We're gonna like- have Harry turn down our this music. Yeah. Thank you. Our- I like background music, but I felt like I was in a club for like three seconds <laughs> amen <laughs> so swimming yeah swimming i've been uh seeing insurance nice companies people. yeah yeah and uh insurance companies and uh injuries and uh working on uh trying to get trump unelected which is not going to happen too soon but we're trying because well, he's he's really big trouble yeah well you know what uh every day he digs himself a deeper hole uh and th- this past week, and we're going to get into that. So we're going to be talking about uh, what's been going on in Charlottesville, Virginia, and the 
I mean, just the, it was just inhumane. The, you know, the actions, the, um, the Nazis, the white supremacists, and, but especially the press, I don't even care. I'm not even going to call him the president. That thing that's in our office, in our White House, how he's reacted and how blatant uh, his uh, disconcern is for um, just, you know, lives and uh, just total disregard of, I mean, he has basically agreed with um, the white supremacy and just said that, you know, both both sides had bad people, but both sides had, you know, great people and you know, so, and we want to, like I said, we want to bring our callers in 203-872-7356. So this is an entire show of call-ins. Uh, we're going to be talking about the climate in America, what's going on in the White House, what's going on with, <laughs> somebody called him four point, instead of 45, they call him 4.5. Because huh. he's like a four and a half year old. Like, you know, I think some four and a half year olds are actually brighter than he is. He's like a twisted Dennis the Menace on steroids. <laughs> he's a mess. I don't even right. And exactly. he's grabbed us. He's grabbed America in a big beer hug, and we're in a big race to the bottom under him. Hatred, danger, crime is up. He's just absolutely the the meanest, biggest liar you could ever imagine. No, you, we all know he lies when he breathes, and and everybody is waking up and saying, "How did this man steal that job?" But he's got it, and he's taking us down. Now, can we save ourselves? We always have luck, but what he's doing to the environment. What he's done to hatred, when he bluffed and tried to form a false equivalence between the Nazis and Black Lives Matter and and uh, and Antifa, he was just totally bluffing because the Nazis killed 50 million people and, and Black Lives Matter and Antifa saved lives. They were down there risking their lives. Right, to save fighting, lives. To fighting Nazis. I mean, those Nazis killed so many Americans, you can't count them, American kids. Anyway, I don't want to use the F-bomb, so screw them. Yeah. <laughs> How do you like that one? <laughs> no F-bomb. Lock him up. We'll just, yes, instead yes of, I like that. Instead of dropping an F-bomb, we'll just say lock him up. Anytime you feel the need to say that, then we just Amen. say lock him up. And you're absolutely right. You know, we have um, causes like Black Lives Matter because there is... Because they matter. No, because <laughs> they matter. Because we were getting, um, you know, young black men were getting killed in, I mean... Just every t- day you turn on the TV, there was um, um, African American male uh, losing their lives for no, for no uncertain reasons. I mean, and it was it was so blatant that people were get catching uh, these murders on I call them murders on TV on video, and still you know no action. So that's why Black Lives Matter. It's not a, it's not a a group that's out murdering and and killing. No. You have to stand up for some for for folks. You got to stand up for people. You got to stand up for your lives. And that's right, our lives matter. Black lives matter. And they've been killing them for four hundred years. I don't want people to think that we just went through a phase. One huge difference is that the videos were devastating to the lie that they always perpetrated that that the guy pulled a gun or had a knife. The, right. It's the or videos he didn't comply. The video showed them planting guns and knives. It showed them, and that, and that is what woke the public up. Since Rodney King, remember they caught that beating on on video. Mm-hmm. That that's what it is. That's why this movement formed now because it's so passionate because they've got the videos to show what's been going on for four hundred years. years and still going on. Amen, sister. Yep. So you know what? So what hap- What happens is uh, when you uh, excuse yes. me, sorry, Larissa. You have State Senator George Logan on the line. 
Yes, we absolutely do. So we're going to bring in, and this is great, um, but we have our senator from Connecticut, Senator Logan, who's going to be joining us, and it's an honor to have him here. He's uh, uh, in one of my favorite districts, um, you know, the I grew up in Bethany, so uh, welcome to the show, Senator. Hello. Hi. It's a pleasure to have you joining us on the talk sip. No, the pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. And you know what? We want to just uh, thank you and commend you for doing what you've done and making such great strides in this state. Um, and we just want to we want to kind of like dive in. Tell us a little bit about your political career and how you, um, you know, what what was your motivation uh, to to uh, get into uh, politics? Sure, sure. So I am uh, brand new to politics. Uh, you know, I. Uh, ran my first campaign uh, last year. I just started in January up in uh, mm. Hartford at the uh, state senate. So this is a, definitely a brand new experience for me. But I am right. uh, 48 years old now. I've been involved in uh, the community for uh, you know quite a bit. I grew up in New Haven. Okay. I worked at a, a local water company um, as mm. an engineer. But I've been involved in non-profit uh, organizations like uh, Junior Achievement. Uh, okay. Teaches basic. Uh, uh, business principals to kids in uh, elementary and middle school. I'm on the YMCA board. I'm on the nice. hospital board of directors. I'm on the uh, Greater Valley, Naugatuck Valley uh, Chamber of Commerce. It's always been important to me to give back to the community. I grew up in the uh, inner city uh, New Haven in the Hill section. Okay. Uh, off of uh, Kimberly, Kimberly Avenue, for those folks who are familiar with uh, New Haven. And <laughs> That's right up, in I the Hill. That's right yeah, in the hill. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and growing up, uh, I spent a lot of time at the uh, Albie Booth Memorial Boys and Girls Club as a kid, and there were lots of folks there, from the counselors to the uh, college volunteers that were there that really uh, you know, helped me out uh, mm. when I was younger. And I always thought, even as a kid, that uh, when I make it someday, which to me meant just uh, getting a job and being able right. to uh, you know, support myself and my future uh, family, right. that I, too, would uh, give back uh, to the community. So I've been doing that since I graduated from Trinity College in Hartford with my engineering degree. That is amazing. And and I, I like I said, you know what? You find some folks that go into politics uh, that don't reach back. It, they just, it, it's a um, non-giving back driven kind of a focus. And that's why I was so interested in your career and where you had come from because you obviously, you grew up in the Hill. So you are clear to uh what communities need what communities strive for there's nothing uh, worse than coming into a position where you are in a position to change lives and ha- not have any idea about what lives you're trying to change yeah for me it would, it would be i would it would be like a slap in the face to me to all mm. those uh professionals and counselors uh, that work for those nonprofit organizations that help me out Right. Uh, as a youngster in New Haven, to just show me lots of different things. I had uh, two loving uh, parents. My father worked in a factory. My mother was a, a secretary. Okay. Uh, but my uh, uh, my mother didn't, uh, uh, at the time, didn't graduate from uh, college. My father didn't graduate from high school. So there were certain things that they could uh, show me in terms of uh, love and hard work and that sort of thing. Uh, but there were other things that these folks at the Boys and Girls Club, right. the YMCA summer camp, were able to show me and enlighten me and really give me sort of that... Uh, uh, uplifting uh, um, uh, sense of that. Hey, you know what? Uh, if I work hard and I go this certain path, right. the right path with education and uh, r- r- walking the straight and narrow, that uh, there will be success. You know, at the end, uh, if we just uh, stay disciplined and stay on course. Absolutely. So you know, and so you represent the 17th district, 
and um, which includes Ansonia, uh, Beacon Falls, Bethany, Derby, Hamden, Naugatuck, and Woodbridge, which is Correct. amazing. Like I said, I am a Bethany um, native and born and raised. Um, wonderful so, town, wonderful community, beautiful <laughs> community, lots of wonderful people. I, mean, I tell you, when I was uh, campaigning, Mm-hmm. Uh, lots of friendly folks out there in, in Bethany and, and Beacon Falls and in the Valley in general. Folks offering me a lemonade, folks giving me <laughs> advice. It's, I tell you, our, our Valley, our, our 17th Senatorial District is a, a, a wonderful American uh, community. It really is, and it's very diverse because I remember growing up, there was only like two black families in Bethany. And uh, since since then, um, you know, the town is it's it's grown. And uh, I go back to teach salsa lessons at Amity High School and and some of the uh, elementary schools in Woodbridge and Orange. And it's just great to see um, what that cute little B.O.W. kind of area has uh, grown to be. Now, you are the Senate Republican Majority Whip. Um, co-chair of the Planning and Development Committee and vice chair of the Public Health and Veterans Affairs Committees. Um, can you tell us what, and you're Republican, majority right. whip, can you tell us what your life is like as a Republican um, in the state of Connecticut? What, what change, we, I mean, we see what's going on in the country now. Um, but can you give us an inside of what you are doing, Senator, um, as a Republican, you know, I guess to to, to even out or, or to level out, um, like I said, what's going on, not only in Connecticut, but in um, the country? Right. So, you know, my focus is here in uh, the state of Connecticut. Yes. Uh, I'm really I'm really not, uh, you know, into partisan uh, politics. You Got know, it. I'm not, uh, I'm not interested in uh, uh, either, you know, Democrats controlling uh, the political landscape in Connecticut, or you know, or mm. Republicans. Uh, what I want are leaders in the state of Connecticut right. who are going to consider what's best for all of the residents who are living and working right here uh, in Connecticut. If that means uh, working with uh, Democrats, fine. If it means working with Republicans, fine. As long as we're on the same page in terms of the problems we're trying to solve, mm. and coming up with solutions for them. To me, that's what's uh, what's most uh, important. I do like the fact that mm-hmm. we have more parity, if you will. Uh, in the uh, House, uh, now there's 79 Democrats, 72 Republicans. In the Senate, we're tied 18-18. And what I like about okay. that is that it forces both sides of the aisle uh, to work together more because in order to get the votes to get anything really going and get anything passed, it's a lot harder for one party just to uh, utilize and, and go with their you know uh, party partisan mm-hmm. sort of uh, game plan. They have mm-hmm. to work with folks with of different ideas, and that is why I think right now you're seeing some of the uh, delay, for example, in the state budget, uh, because now um, you know for uh, many years, several years at least, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Democrats have had a, a, a big majority in the House and in the Senate. The governor obviously is a is a Democrat. The state has been in a sort of financial uh, downward spiral over the last several years. So Democrats, have right. been, uh, Republicans have been gaining seats over the last few election cycles. And it's uh, because the, the residents of Connecticut, they want the state's economy they, uh, to be fixed. They want jobs. They don't right. want to have this continual cr- uh, fiscal crisis year after year. So as a result uh, of that, voters have been speaking. They have been electing more uh, Republicans, but it's really more about ideas. They've been electing more people that are more fiscally conservative because folks are realizing that we have to get our, uh, at a state level, we have to get our fiscal house in order, similar right. to folks in their household, right? You have to 
uh, be stable financially to yes. be able to do all the things that you want to do, you do, do in your own home. Right. And you know what, Senator, and you, you brought up a good point, and that's whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. I think we all want to live kind of comfortably. I think we want our households to be in order, and I think we want um, balance and financial prosperity and whatever is going to uh, whatever you'd have to do to obtain that, like you said, more jobs, creating more jobs, um, you know, more opportunity. Then I think that's where everyone in the state, I think I think that's where we all, you know, agree on, you know, moving forward, you know, being financially uh, prosperous. Um, Now, we I'm here with a a dear friend, uh, Irving Pinsky. And uh, I, I always it's I call it uh, politics with uh, Pinsky. But we talk about, you know, what's going on in the nation's capital and what's going on in the White House. And um, can you just tell us from your personal experience, have you have you ever seen any makeup like this of how the country is being run? And um, what's your take on that? Because, you know, we all love hearing from our senators and you guys are you represent us. So are are your phones like ringing off the hook going Senator Logan? What is going on? I need to, you know, I've got a vent. I've got to tell you about what what needs, you know, what's going on? Can you make a change? You know, can you call the White House? Um do you get any of that? Right. So my focus is here in the state of Connecticut, right? So I'm a state senator, not a US uh, congressman. Uh, okay. So in terms of what's going on in Washington, I would strongly uh, urge uh, any Connecticut resident that's uh, concerned about what's going on uh, in Washington to get on the phone, send emails, and talk to your U- you know, U.S. Uh, 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 congressman. Uh, mm-hmm. They're the ones who are dealing with that situation uh, in, in uh, Washington. Now, my focus is I'm watching what's going on on the federal level just in terms of how it can affect dollars that are coming to the state of Connecticut, whether Correct. it has to do with uh, health care or education. Uh, because in my humble opinion, my humble opinion, the the state uh, politicians, the legislators here at the state level, mm-hmm. have more of a direct impact in the daily lives of the people, the residents here in, in Connecticut, than what's going on in uh, in Washington. Because even when mm-hmm. federal dollars come from the uh, Washington to Connecticut, it's the Connecticut state legislature that decides, uh, for the most part, you know what to do with those uh, dollars. It's the Connecticut state legislature that decides to uh, uh, raise or, or lower uh, your sales tax in Connecticut. It's the Connecticut okay. legislature that's in charge of you know, the income tax that we have, or all these uh, uh, fees that you hear that are being proposed on things like uh, the, uh, the Democrats in the legislature here in Connecticut are proposing uh, taxing an additional ta- tax on fuel, home fuel oil. That's not coming from Washington. That's coming from Hartford, uh, Connecticut. But uh, isn't it a trickle? raise sales tax. Yes. But isn't it a trickle down system? I mean, I know we're our, our own little state of Connecticut, but, you know, at the end, you know, there are bills being signed. There's things being passed that are just coming down. And I'm going to have uh, Irving come in on this one um, because, you like I said, every we are being affected. And like I said, yeah, we hold our own. Every state holds their own. But, you know, uh, I think, Irving, what we were saying earlier is that there's concern what's happening and the White House is is affecting what's happening uh, right here in Connecticut. As best I can tell, we have thousands of people in the state who are worth $100 million or more, many of them billionaires. Connecticut's about the richest state in the country, right? maybe behind Maryland, New Jersey, and maybe one other. It's way up there in national wealth. So I don't understand why we have to raise sales taxes on little people 
or deny them medical care when these people have billions and billions of dollars. I mean, truthfully, they don't have, if they're worth billions, they probably have five, six homes in different states, but they live in Connecticut because our taxes are low compared to New York, and this way they're right across the border. I, mm-hmm. I mean, really, who needs $10 billion? But we got them here, and of course, they like to pay their fair share. That's why they pay less. But it's quite, it's quite frustrating to me because our education is incredibly important, and I just noticed that New York made um, uh, community colleges free. I may have that a little bit right. And do we have free education in our community colleges in Connecticut? Because we need education bad. Do we have free so is that a question, uh, community colleges? Yes, yes, Senator Logan. So oh, the, sure, yes. sure. Okay, so you know, my opinion is, is that it's utterly ridiculous to think that Connecticut is going to change uh, and, and solve its fiscal crisis by taxing billionaires and millionaires more uh, in Connecticut. The problem that we have now is that Connecticut is... Uh, not a tax-friendly uh, state. It's not uh, friendly for businesses. So the difference between a billionaire and a millionaire and folks that uh, live in, in the inner city or the suburbs uh, like I do is that they have more of an option to leave the state, and they are leaving the state. No, they're businesses not. Are leaving they're the state. coming. Well, hold on, hold on. I, I have no problem with allowing you to um, um, you know, let me know what your thoughts are, but you got to let me finish my thoughts as well, or else we're not going to have a, a conversation here. So... My take yes. on it is, is that to think that we can just tax more, whether it's taxing the rich more or taxing the middle class or taxing the poor more, to get us out of the fiscal crises, that has been the game plan of the Democratic leadership in Connecticut. And what did we get for that? We had the biggest, uh, biggest uh, um, tax increase in the history of the state of Connecticut in 2011. And what did that get us? It got us the second highest tax increase in the history of the state of Connecticut in 2015. And we still have a number of politicians who are screaming that those two tax increases didn't work out because they weren't high enough. So we need to tax more. My philosophy is we have to stop talking about increasing taxes on anyone. Tax increases is not going to solve this uh, problem. It's making it worse. It gets to a point where residents are maxed out in terms of what they can pay for taxes. Mm. That's those ridiculous. That leave, those that can leave are leaving. There's no question about it. When you look at the top um, uh, 100 taxpayers, you take a look at what the revenue that the state has been uh, garnering, garnering from those top 100. A few years ago, it was up above $700 million. Now it's down to $250 million. And the reason for that is is because those most wealthy that can leave the state, those businesses that say, you know what, I am tired of all this over-regulation, all this over-taxation in Connecticut, they're leaving the state. And what's happening is we have less people uh, behind to shoulder the tax uh, burden. We need to show that we have uh, uh, predictability and stability, Mm -hmm. and we need people at all levels here in Connecticut not to be worried about when the next tax increases come, looking over their shoulders. So this way, instead of planning on how how quickly they can leave the state of Connecticut, businesses will be planning more to, okay, let me see how I can expand, hire more people. We need more people working here in Connecticut, and we have to stop the outflow of uh, businesses and people. And, you know, I'm going to bring in uh, Irving Pinsky. How many billionaires do you know who left the state? We're loaded with billionaires. They don't leave the state because of a tax rate of $100 million or not. And if they do leave, it's just a phony address in Florida that they all have anyway. What billionaire is going to move away from Broadway to live in Podunk, Florida? One or two, but we have billionaires by the minute. This is the heart of hedge fund country where you make billions of dollars, as President Trump said, by moving paper around. They're not leaving. Name me some billionaires who left Connecticut. I'll well, go buy their houses. Well, you know what? Let me ask this. Let me ask a more important question. 
these folks, and this is where I think I have the, a problem. Uh, so, Senator, we like you said, we have this is Connecticut is one of the richest uh, states in in the country. Are the billionaires and millionaires are they employing folks um, that maybe where you grew up in the hill? Are they reaching back? Are they, you know, are they are they hiring folks that? you know, are not millionaires, billionaires, are they, ha- do they ha- give programs out, you know, um, I don't know, outreach, you know, that's, I think that's where I have the problem. And I think that's where the disconnect is. Yeah. I mean, I mean you have a, a, it sounds like we have a difference of opinion here. I'm not here to defend the billionaires and, uh, and millionaires. My point of it is oh, yeah. that we, no. as the state of Connecticut, have a, a fiscal crisis here, and we need to solve it. Uh, some folks are of the opinion that all we have to do is uh, tax billionaires and millionaires more, and everything will be uh, solved and hunky-dory. All I'm saying is that that is not going to solve our problems. I think we need structural changes here in Connecticut that are more uh, profound than just that. Uh, and uh, I think that, uh, you know, everyone uh, together in terms of – I just don't think increasing taxes on anyone – uh, in, here in Connecticut is to way is the way to solve us from our uh, our current fiscal problem. Right. What I just think of the the top these top companies would reach back into these communities and and get out of their comfort zone and literally sh- not even share the wealth, give opportunity, share the opportunity. Um, that I think that that's where I think there's total disconnect. I think it's just reality, you know, they, they're like, hey, I've, I'm here, I've made it, I've, you know, I've got a multi-million dollar corporation, billion dollar corporation, I've done my part, I really don't need to, you know, go back and, and try to create jobs or, you know, do mentorship programs. Most people, do you know most people that mentor um, are right there within their, within the community? Uh, you know, again, I'm not here to defend billionaires and billionaires. Oh, no, no. not one and, of them. And listen, uh, we're not I, beating up say, on billionaires. This, right. I mean, we're, they we're own, not... uh, <laughs> right. They own, uh, right. They are of the community. They run and own businesses. They hire folks, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, again, I am no expert on millionaires and billionaires, so I have not studied all the statistics involved, all the millionaires and billionaires in the state of Connecticut. I just think that, again, um, to focus uh, on that, without looking at the year over year of tax uh, increases, of uh, unchecked uh, uh, spending, of uh, inefficient mm-hmm. government programs like and, and departments. Look at the Department of Motor Vehicles, for crying out loud. You know, we had a huge problem right. there uh, uh, for many years with long lines, long waits, and what did we do here in the state of Connecticut? We decided to throw good money after bad. How do we do that? We said, hey, let's, let's buy a, a big, expensive, brand-new computer system and that modern computer system will solve all our problems. Well, guess what? If you go to DMV now to try to get your license renewed, you could be there for about three and a half hours. Why? Because we didn't really fix the fundamental problems with the way DMV in Connecticut is structured. Well, DMV is always, yeah. We just made ourselves more inefficient with a, with a fancy, complicated program that we really didn't utilize properly. May I? Yes, and we're going to let Irvin, but, but you know, in DMV, I think you're going to sit in DMV for three, four hours anyway, and that's with a computer system. You just know when you go to the DMV, you're good, you might as well bring your crossword puzzles and get grab a cup of coffee because you're going to be sitting there for uh, a the, while. The answer to the DMV is to do 50% of it there by Skype. There's no reason to go down there on most of those matters. You just do it by Skype. It works in other states, and we're just too slow to do it. But that's been going on since way before Malloy. But one very important point. Mm-hmm. I thought of a billionaire. The Connecticut billionaire is Donald Trump, right? Donald Trump left for, left for New York, 
But he didn't pay any taxes for, what, 18 years? Wasn't that the scandal of the year that everybody uh, screamed about? And mm-hmm. Warren Buffett says he's a billionaire and he pays less secretaries, less a lower rate than his, than his secretary. So what's going on here? And I still haven't heard the name of a billionaire who left Connecticut because of taxes. I know that Donald left Connecticut because he divorced his wife but left her here. And then went right. to and the kids, and then went to New York and Florida. But New York has higher taxes, so he didn't leave because of our taxes. He left because of his girlfriend. And that's a whole nother topic. Right, and but a whole it's true. Nother... It's true. He, didn't, he he's a billionaire right. who didn't pay taxes. So well, yes. you know, again, um, so I mean, certainly, I mean, we just have a difference of opinion. If um, you feel your focus should be on millionaires and billionaires, that's your you know prerogative to do that. I believe that the problems that we have here in the state of uh, Connecticut are, are far beyond that. Yeah. They need to be uh, addressed uh, and systematically, which, are, which is not happening right now. So um, right. my focus is here on the state of Connecticut, looking at all the various ways that we are spending money here in Connecticut, mm-hmm. reprioritizing how we spend our money to do it uh, wisely and to uh, not throw good money uh, after bad uh, with supporting uh, you know, bad uh, programs and policies. Uh, that have put us in a worse and worse fiscal condition over the last uh, several years. Now, I, I know I hear mm-hmm. that Governor Malloy, a lot of the problems that we have in Connecticut did not start with Governor uh, Malloy, uh, but uh, my take on it is, and I'm a mm-hmm. brand-new uh, politician, a brand-new state senator, I'm not right. looking to place the blame game, but uh, we're the leaders here now. So however it is that we got here now, it is our responsibility to fix it. And so if the politicians that are in Hartford now are, have only made the situation worse over the last several years, my opinion is, is that we need uh, new leadership here in Connecticut, and I, that's why I decided to throw my hat in the ring uh, to give it a chance. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, my take on it is, is that I don't believe that increasing uh, taxes on all Connecticut residents is the way to go. I don't believe that increasing uh, spending unchecked is the way to go. I believe that we need to be more uh, business-friendly uh, and encourage uh, job growth. I think we need to focus on those uh, things that are most important to the state of Connecticut, and that is to make sure that we do not balance our budget on the backs of the most vulnerable people in our, in our state, that being our children, mm-hmm. that being our seniors, that being folks with uh, 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 developmental disabilities and physical disabilities. We need to uh, protect our, our citizens, and we need to spend uh, money wisely here to make uh, Connecticut a, a good place to live and work. Right. I don't want to balance our budget on the backs of our poor billionaires either. I really agree to that. Well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take a short break. And uh, Senator Logan, if you do not mind, if you will just stick around, we're going to take a quick break. But then when we come back, we want to hear what your what your vision is uh, for 2017, 2018, your policies, and where you see Connecticut in uh, just a few years. So we're going to uh, uh, be right back. Don't change that dial. You are listening to The Talks. It will be back, right back with Irvin Pinsky and Senator Logan. Oh, 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 
Welcome back to the Talk Sip. I'm your host, Elisa Bowens Mercado. Don't forget, every Thursday, I trade in my dance shoes and I spend time with you, the listeners, and we talk arts, culture, music, much more. And today we are talking uh, some politics, especially Connecticut politics. And we are honored to have uh, State Senator uh, George Logan uh, from the 17th District joining us. And my Co-pilot for today is uh, Irvin Pinsky. So it's politics with Pinsky this Thursday. Uh, so, Senator, let folks out there, and I know that um, you had a, it was a tight race, um, you know, this year, and but you were elected and uh, it looks like you're making strides. So just let us know and let our listeners know and our viewers on Facebook Live what you plan on doing Um you know, this year, 2017 into 2018? Sure. So my focus right now, the regular session ended um, on June 7th. Uh, okay. My total focus uh, uh, right now, uh, my main focus, my main priority is with the uh, state uh, budget. Uh, so the state budget is of utmost uh, important. Uh, you know, we're faced with a $5 billion budget deficit over the next two years. Uh, and without a state budget, uh, the governor is uh, uh, is limited in terms of what he can do in terms of running the state. So you're going to hear about cuts that he has been uh, making. And as each month mm. goes by, there are more cuts that he has to do. So, for example, when you're looking at a $5 billion deficit, the reason why we have that deficit is because our liabilities for things like uh, state union uh, uh, pensions uh, and uh, uh, bond uh, payment obligations are going up by $5 billion over the next two years. You take $5 billion, you divide mm-hmm. it by 24 months, that's about $200 million a, a month, an additional cost. If we kept everything the same, mm-hmm. all of our funding for education, all of our funding to the towns, we have an obligation, an additional obligation of $200 million more per month. So without a state budget, all the governor can do is uh, tax because he has to meet those obligations that we have for those uh, bond uh, payments uh, and for those uh, the uh, liabilities that are uh, payments that are associated with the uh, pension. Uh, mm-hmm. So as a result, there are cuts to many different programs that are happening now. It's important, it's imperative that this budget uh, gets uh, uh, finalized, uh, negotiated, finalized, and approved uh, as quickly as possible. Now, I tell folks that if the um, uh, Democrats in Connecticut still had uh, control of the Senate, and they already have control of the House, and the governor is a Democrat, would we have a budget right now? The answer would be yes, but that budget, in my opinion, would be a bad budget. It would be a budget that would include uh, massive uh, uh, tax increases and additional spending increasing, increases. So right now I'm fighting, fighting for a, to have a good budget that doesn't increase uh, taxes and that uh, takes care of all of the uh, needs that we uh, need to do as a state government here in Connecticut. Right. And you know what, take care. And I think what this uh, folks at Connecticut say is like, let it be a fair, uh, t- you know, fair budget and a happy medium. Um, you know, like you said, you know, we are working and we're seeing these different towns and uh, communities. And it's just, there's a, there, it's just so vast. Um, when you, you look at, like, just say Bethany or Woodbridge, um, opposed to some, you know, places, you know, maybe Waterbury. Um, so how do you sit down and look at those different areas, but then make a conscious decision about making sure that cuts and budgets financing are fair for all? Well, I, yes, well, I certainly know how you don't do it. You don't do it by going with mm-hmm. uh, Governor Malloy's uh, proposal to uh, push $400 million, for example, in some of those uh, state uh, uh, um, state contract uh, pension obligations down to the municipalities. 
So you take $400 million that uh, is at the state level at this point. Mm-hmm. Governor Malloy wants to push those down to the municipalities. We only have uh, 169 municipalities. So you take that uh, $400 million, it could be a huge hit for the municipalities. And what that would do is that the municipalities would have no choice but to raise property taxes. So I don't like mm-hmm. the governor's proposal. The Senate Republicans, my proposed uh, budget with my uh, uh, Republican caucus in the Senate uh, is online. Uh, folks can go to my website, SenatorGeorgeLogan.com, and take a look at that proposal. It's a okay. comprehensive proposal, a line-by-line proposal, and you can see how we're proposing to balance the uh, budget without uh, increasing uh, taxes. Awesome. Senator Logan, thank you so much for taking the time to call in. It's always great to hear from our uh, state leaders and our uh, state reps. And uh, we wish you the best. And if you're ever uh, in this area, we love for you to come in and, and you know, sit down uh, in studio uh, with us. I know your, your schedule is, you know, quite busy, but, uh, you know, Make your way in one day. We'd love to have you back on the show. And and great. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, the 17th dif- District is happy, is lucky to have you. Great. Allison Irvin, it was a pleasure speaking with the two of you. And I uh, welcome uh, that invitation. And let's try to make it uh, happen in the not-too-distant future. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you very much. Check him out, ctsenatorrepublicans.com uh, and uh, George S. Logan, 17th District. Oh, that's great. You know what? It's always so good to have um, our senators on. Because, like I said, whether they're, you know, to left, right, middle, nonpartisan, it doesn't make a difference. They're in there. And they are making, they're working for the, the folks. They're working for the people. So um, you are so much more reasonable than I am. <laughs> I give you credit. I am. I'm reasonable uh, to a sense, but I'm, I'm also realistic. So reasonable and realistic, uh, you know, you have to, um, you have to work with both. So now, so we're, we're talking politics today. Uh, so let's go back into, you know, there was breaking news today in, uh, Spain, um, you know, there was a uh, white truck and um, updates keep coming in, um, you know, that just ran into a, you know, a crowd of folks. And that seems to be the um, motor vehicle terrorism. Yeah. And that's uh, just striking, you know, everywhere. I was just I was walking down the street. I'm like, you know, do do you I have to like walk and turn around and, and see where I'm going? It's just it's the craziest thing. I just this world to me is uh we're not balanced anymore i don't think we ever were any more than day we were balanced we were we were balanced we were we this this well there's issues that were not balanced we know we know that so i'm not talking about oh no we we've got a long way to go when it comes to uh i mean racial injustice and racial equality we've got a long way to go um with Health care. We've got a long way to go with a lot of things. What I'm tell- saying well, we've is, made huge strides. Oh, things. we we Can have we have. What I think I meant, what I what I want was saying, is that it there's not a good energy in this country. There's some, and then there's some places where there's it's some. Going down oh the yeah. Tubes. But I do agree that I do agree, agree that people are really getting upset. That much it's shown in the polls, and we know why. And fixing it is not going to be simple. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's uh, not what it, there's just, a, there's a, something in the air. You I know, mean, like, there's what a, happened in Charlottesville, a 20 year old boy or 21 year old boy man who writes Nazi things all over Facebook, all right, goes out and takes his car and right. runs over 19 people 
I mean, the guy's a freaking Nazi. He's got signs all over the place, and he's he's on camera all over the place. And and the Nazis killed what half a million Americans? Brutal, brutal war. And mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and about fifty million people died in that war. And this twenty-year-old boy goes nuts and runs down a bunch of people. Now that's like testosterone poisoning. Same thing. Same thing in Spain. I'll bet you the guy who did it was a guy and not a woman. They get too much testosterone in their body, and they start. Well, you look know, at the World Trade Center, all guys. Well, I mean, that's the profile. Can I, I mean, say one did... more thing about profiling? Because sometimes mm-hmm. it matters. They had videos of this horrible march down there in Charlottesville, right? All those people with the torches and the preppy clothes and everything. It looked like there were hundreds of them. I didn't see any women there. My friend who was there said she saw two women in that whole horde of people mm-hmm. looking to run in. You're not going to replace us and screaming. Now, I think there's a problem in that particular venue of violence that it's guys doing the killing and women just aren't that big a bunch of killers nowadays. Well, and, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it can, that's I, my point. So, well, I mean, the, the FBI profile, I mean, cases going back years. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the big it's, group uh, terrorists. It's, you know, how many women are in jail for murder in the whole country? What, 100, 200, 300? How many guys? Tens of thousands. Yeah. So, so, so I mean, it, police profile, because if they don't, then they're going to get killed because they don't know who to look for. They right. got to pay attention. Now, I don't like racial profiling and I don't like stupid profiling where they just throw the people in jail because they look a certain way or a certain color. But on right. the other hand, you have to realize that we have certain clues that we can work on. And I have some really good news, if I can. Really yes. good news. Okay, seriously. All right. About two weeks ago, Tony Harp, the mayor, and Hen- and Mr. Packer, they didn't have a debate, but they both made statements in front of the de- Democrats or something. And okay. Tony made this point that just blew my mind. And I looked it up, and it's true. At that time, she said that as of that day, Hartford had 20 homicides. No, Hartford had 19 homicides. Mm-hmm. Bridgeport had 17. New Haven had four. Do you so understand ha- that? Where one quarter is violence. Less than one quarter is violence is Hartford and Bridgeport. People are not dying here. Not, something's going right, and that's heavy. Now, as of now, I was with the mayor yesterday, and I'll tell you right now, and I'm not one of her. I was with her yesterday for the first time in years. Okay. Let me be clear. Yesterday, Bridge Hartford had 20. New Haven now has five. New Haven used to have 36 homicides a year. Now here At we are, time. five homicides after basically seven and a half months. Well, so but, so so some so something is going right, but there but there's a lot that's not going right. Right, but murder is the most important thing to limit. Right, in my and, humble opinion. And so New Haven, if you stop the killings, the lives matter. Stop the killings. Right. And uh, like I said, we had um, Jamal Henderson on uh, a couple of weeks ago, who's an activist in New Havel, because there was a rash of shootings, three within like 72 hours. And so there, there are there's guns. There's but much, much, much less deaths. Yes. A shooting. You could shoot me in the knee. I won't be happy. You shoot me in the heart and my family's in mourning for the rest of their lives. Right. We're right. just going to get the guns off the street. That's a good thing. But yeah. the point is, whatever they're doing is knocking it down to four homicides. And that's fantastic. Yeah. And we always say we want our uh, police officers to stay uh, safe, you know, out there in in this community. They're doing it. The New Haven police are the ones who got the homicide rate down. And I don't see any, and I don't see one person getting shot to death by the police this year. So they're not shooting people. Maybe, I don't know, but basically it's much better than it used to be. But it's so important to respect the numbers when you see the homicide rate plunging by 75%. Now, just a Mm -hmm. few years ago, we had 36 homicides in one year. Right. And last year, we had 13. And this is, we were looking for good news. There's good news. Right. That is good news. And you know what? I'm, I'm actually, I'm excited to have, uh, you know, 
Mayor Harp and uh, Marcus Pack, they, they're they're running and um, I'm looking forward to the debate. You know, oh, yeah. when when that's, you know, because um, they bo- both have very strong. Um, we love opinions. the debate. Yeah, we want it to be. We, yeah. I'm just I'm, I wonder if, you know, New Haven Independent is going to be hosting something um, this year. But that would be that'd be great. And, you know, try to get them in here one day for uh, our polit you know, our political. I'll tell uh, you what Mr. Packard told me about the homicide rate. If you want me to tell you, I'll you, tell well, you what he you told have me. First, he said it first in writing. He said it in writing. Here's what he said. Um, I said, what do you think about this incredible homicide rate? Don't you give her credit? And he said, well, the numbers are real, which means that I'm not just making up numbers this right. time. All right. And he said that, well, Yale New Haven gets the credit because they have new miraculous ways of curing people and everything. And that's what the police told me in 1998, in 1999, when we went down from 36 homicides to 10 a year. 36 to 10 we went from. And let me tell you, it went back up to 36 with the same Yale New Haven Hospital, and now it's down to four. So I say there's somebody who's got to get a lot of credit out there, and people have to find out who it is. But it's not just Yale New Haven Hospital, right? Well, I mean, and, and of course, those are going to be all of the the um, topics up for debate. Yes. Uh, when um, though, I'm I'm actually looking forward to that. But we are going to end with our most favorite person, the person that just <laughs> Mister Four Point Five. I just say that so lovingly. Um, all of what do you think about all of the big businesses just bailing? They're out. He's he he can't lead spit except a bunch of Nazis and a bunch of KKK guys. People are bailing away from him because he's toxic. He talks like a crazy man, maybe worse than mm-hmm. me. I don't know, not, much worse than you. And and he just <laughs> says the most outrageous things. They're all equals. They're all equals. They're all bad. They're all bad. Come on, come on, President yeah. Trump! You never did this before. Now you're going out there trying to bluff like you know what you're doing, and now yeah. now your now your manufacturing council has closed C L C L O S E D because you couldn't lead them well enough to get things going. Well, they saw it. Well, they knew his true colors, but then this was yeah. blatant. So they said, "That's it. Bye, we, bye. We're we're you know out of here." But then he he tried to tur- twist it and ha. say that he was going to dismantle uh, the committee, and they you know everybody said no. We we got we, you. We're out. They're like, you don't have to dismantle anything because we already we've all left. So um, yeah, I just I three just, and a half more years of this guy lock him. Do you up. think he's gonna just one day? And I would pr- I pray for this. He's just gonna one day wake up and say, you know what? I I can't do this. I keep I'm trying to fake it till I make it, and it's just. And his hopefully his he's got some kind of epiphany where his conscience just says, "This is bad for the country. This is bad for that the people." That would be wonderful if he woke up. Can he just be honest? I'll tell you what he should do. Can he? Ju- he just needs to be honest. He needs to just get out. Uh, here's we- what he should do. All right, and mm-hmm. you know, and you know, the best economy we ever had was basically two thousand. Okay, when Clinton had those years of boom, boom, boom. What he's got to do... Reagan take, was, was I mean, come on. Reagan I, didn't compete with 23 million new jobs, and they were the best jobs. Well, Reagan broke I, the unions. Yeah. Wages well, well, went down. Mm-hmm. Anyway, my honest belief is that 23 million new jobs was the record. We had 3.5% unemployment when Clinton lived in office. Those are real numbers. Right. Now, here's my view. And he's friendly with Bill. He was, anyway. What he has to do is he has to say, I'm taking $2 billion of federal money, and I'm giving it to Clinton to run the economy and the world. And I'll sit back and I'll work with him, but he can do it because he did it before and maybe he can do it again. And the world would breathe a giant sigh of relief. That will never, ever 
ever happen. Well, then who's going to run he's it if a, you leave? He's a pomp. Pence? Pence is just Listen, as bad. narcissistic, pomp, pompous, arrogant, racist people do, don't wake up. He, that's, I he, agree it won't happen. By the way, I 100% agree. Right, but, I, but, I could, but that's something you wish that he would do. So that's your wish. My wish is that he would just wake up and quit. Yeah, but see, that's, again, the narcissistic doesn't work. He's not yeah, going to wake up narcissistic people will never, you're right, they don't quit. They will fake, he will fake it till he tries to make also, it. I just hope that our impeachment process, or however, you know, he can just also, not one run more this thing country. about him. As nutty as he is, he is creative, and he does do things crazy ways, so you never know what he'll really do. That's the thing that's I don't me. think it's called, I don't think it's creative He's at all. Creative. No, I just think it's stupid. I just, he doesn't, I don't think he knows anything. I don't think he can be creative. He knows how to sell a con, and that's that's a talent. He can sell a con. Well, he got elected because of everybody that, I mean. He, he sold Trump University for years. He sold casinos where people lost their fortunes. He can sell a con. Yeah, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's creative. I think that's sleaze baggage. Oh, he's definitely a sleaze bag. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't call him a sleaze bag, I'm not breathing. And I can't believe that we're talking about the person who sits in the one of the highest uh, offices in this country, most powerful man in the world. I don't. I don't. I won't even give him that much credit. <laughs> I won't give him that much credit. Well, Irving, my friend, thank you for sitting in my uh, the co-pilot seat with me today and the talk sip it's always so good to have you here we get to vent you know how we vent yes with mr 4.5 also want to thank uh state senator george logan for joining us and best of luck in uh district 17 keep us posted on how that's going but don't forget like i said every week we uh Right here, 1 o'clock, 1 p.m. on the talk sip. And so I will end with this. Always keep that glass full. Stay positive. Stay focused. Until next time.